All right, session 10, we've made it. How are you guys feeling today? Sad, definitely some mixed emotions there in about three seconds, all of which I heard. Um, hey, I've got a quick, um, true, real truth for real quick. Um, how, what happened to dinosaurs? How do they fit into the gospel? Um, I would say that the d- dinosaurs were destroyed in the earthwide flood. Everything was covered by water because God hates sin. And in Genesis chapter 5, sin was out of control, or maybe the beginning of 6. And uh, God, in chapter 6, chooses a guy named Noah and his family, and they build a ginormous ark. In chapter 6, there's increasing corruption on the earth. One of the rare times you can use one of those Bible headers. Um, anyways, and, and corruption was on the earth, and the earth was destroyed, and dinosaurs apparently um, would have been on the ark, but a, so most of them were annihilated in the flood or destroyed in the flood, and afterward, apparently, they didn't make it. Um, how, does, how do dinosaurs fit into the gospel? When you sin, more than you are, is impacted. Okay, people sinned. And were destructive, and creation paid a price. When Adam and Eve sinned, creation paid a price. Um, when the flood happened, um, I'll just say that animals paid a price for your sin. So when you're thinking about yourself and how awesome you feel living in sin, um, there are, there's more than you that is going to pay the price for that sin, and it can impact even the dinosaurs in your life. So that is my thought on that one. Let's pray together, and then let's jump into the last chapter of Galatians, all right? God, you are very kind and good, Lord. We're grateful to you for who you are, God, that you hate sin, but then you sent yourself um, so that we could be redeemed from sin, that our, the payment for sin could be made so that we could hope uh, in you and, and hope in eternal life and hope in a new uh, earth to come. God, and we long for that. We long for your presence. Come, Lord Jesus, come. God, and for that, God, keep our eyes set on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. Father, I lift up our last session. God, many of us we're sad, but we also want to get home. And so, God, I pray that we could hone in here once again on your text for a matter of time. God, and that we could glean from it, that your spirit would be present in this chapel. I know your character says you will be here, God, but I will invite you to move. God, move in our hearts, move in our minds. God, transform us one step closer to the image of your son. And God, do it um, through your power so that it, in it you get all the glory. Get glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Gen- or Galatians, not Genesis, Galatians chapter 6. I think this is an awesome chapter to end with, okay? It starts with community, and then it goes to a warning, okay? I know culture tells me I should send you out and just heap praise on you and encourage you. And if you're anything like me, you don't need that, all right? So we're going to go with a warning instead, but I blame Paul, all right? So Gen- Galatians chapter 6, I'm going to read the whole chapter to us. And then we'll dive in. Brothers or sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. But if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. 
But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they might be, may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but their desire is to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but new creation." And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Christ. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and your spirit, brothers. Amen. All right, we've got through the whole book of Galatians. How many of you have been reading Galatians? Anybody? All right, have you, how many of you read it twice? All right, sweet. I'm not going to ask anymore, just in case. All right. <laughs> it, it ends here with this concept of brotherhood. And I've stressed this a little bit over the time, but that need for community. Our walk as Christians is not alone. We need brothers and sisters who can look into our life and even warn us about things that we cannot see. I told you the story about me and my two friends out in the church parking lot talking horridly about people in our youth group. And for some odd reason, I didn't think that was wrong. Until my senses, my, my spirit was stirred when someone challenged me and said, hey, I don't think what we're doing here is right. Sometimes we can overlook things in our life. So Paul says this, Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Now when it says spiritual, it's not talking Oprah Winfrey spiritual. It's not talking vague Eastern religion spiritual. The assumption is we're in the context of the scriptures. We have just, he's just written about the fruit of the spirit, okay? And when he wrote out the scriptures, he didn't write out the fruit of the spirit and then say, I'm going to go to bed, and then I'll write chapter 5 tomorrow. It's all connected. Okay? So you who are spiritual, you who claim Christ, you who are striving for the goal. Now, oftentimes in my life, I've been tempted to never confront anybody because am I perfect? No. But there's a reality that I'm not perfect, and the next guy isn't perfect. And so we need each other to strive towards that goal, to strive towards godliness and holiness and sanctification, okay? So you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Remember Quinn last night? I was talking about how spiritual I was, and he's just new to the journey, and I just ran him into the mud. When you play baseball, and someone starts playing baseball, 
and they fail to, say, hit a ball, it seems counterproductive to insult them for their incapability or even the fact that they miss just once or twice at bat. But we have this real issue, I think, in the Christian church, especially in the evangelical church, of gobbling up people who are struggling. Yeah, we want to push them past their struggle. But in the process, calling people names, calling people, you know, that when have you been called a name and you, you were motivated to do better? Really? Okay, a couple. Every story has a gap, okay? So there's a reality that for a majority of us, being called a name never motivates us or encourages us to just press through, okay? It's kind of the last gap. But here's this reality. We restore them with a spirit of gentleness. Why, why are we gentle? Because Christ has been gentle with us. Of all people, Christ could say, you sinned five minutes ago. You thought this. You did this. Like, he could just lay it out for me. He could just devastate me. I bet he knows 10,000 more. 10 million more sins than I have even been aware of in my own entire life. And yet he's gentle. He talks about him as a shepherd, and shepherd has a time where he, he might be harsh, but for the most part, a shepherd is a very gentle person leading sheep, and Jesus has been gentle with me. Christ has been gentle with you. You be gentle with others who are struggling, you who are spiritual. Always remember how gentle Christ was to you in the gospel. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. He talks about burdens and he talks about load. Each one of us has a load we're going to bear. God has written out our life before the foundation of the earth. Every day, every day before they were even before you were even formed. God has given you good works to do in advance. And there's this issue. So we're going to have this load that we're going to carry. But when parts of our load get out of whack, they become a burden to us. Why do they get out of whack? Because our flesh, we give up to the flesh. We give in to sin. We let the evil that is within our own hearts or even perhaps some external evil impact us and it gets out of hand. And this is where we need to shoulder up and take it down, okay? Not, when you are called to faith, I hope none of you have ever been told that this would be easy. This road is so difficult, you desperately need Jesus to walk it. And so you have Jesus, and then Jesus has given you the Holy Spirit, and then he's given you a community called the church, the hands and feet of Christ. And you think about like moving a large boulder, right? It's hard to do it on your own. You get six people in there with you, and it's so much easier. Many hands make slight work. When the load that God has called you to bear gets out of hand, it becomes a burden and starts pushing you down into the mud and how beautiful is it for the church to come alongside you, the church, your friend who's a spiritual person who wants to restore you in a spirit of gentleness, comes alongside you and says, I will help you. Let's go. Let's push this thing. Let's go. Any of you ever ran out of gas in a car and had to push it someplace? A couple honest people, right? So much easier to do with a friend. So much easier to do with a brother. So much easier to do not by yourself, okay? So bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is love one another. The law of Christ, he said love one another, right? 
it says, but the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So you're practicing this. The law of Christ is love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So you, so you walk alongside somebody who might be struggling. Um, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one, each one test his own work, right? If I think I'm something when I'm nothing, I desperately need someone to come in and say, hey man, you okay? But let each one test your work. So as you go home, test your work. And then your reason to be to be, uh, I can't read, start over. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, not in his neighbor. It seems awkward that, what, I can boast? Isn't boasting sinful? But there's a reality, you guys. There was a time in our lives where we hated godliness, we hated holiness, we hated Jesus. None of, most of us would never say that, right? But we did. And then we've, God has transformed us. This boasting isn't apart from God. Remember the context of this. He's been talking about the Spirit. But we can be excited. You can do it. You can walk through high school in a relationship with Jesus Christ, fighting sin, encouraging one another, and growing in the Lord. You can do it. Before you would have said, I want nothing to do with it. And you're bearing your load, and sometimes you need help, and sometimes you help others. But the Spirit is working through you. And as you look back and test yourself, you can say, I'm doing it. I used to be a liar last fall. I was convicted of lying, and I've been working on what I talk about and my satisfaction in Christ. And I, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I have moved from where I was last year to where I am this year. And we can be excited, we can celebrate with the assumption that God is working through us. It's not just us being like, I won't lie ever again. No, it's the Spirit changing us. And we can be excited about His work in us. Because we each have a load to bear. Let's go to verse 6. And this is really what I want to leave you guys and gals with. There is a... I told you we were doing this program at my church called Steps. It's a program for habitual sin. Often people call that addiction. Um, it's also lying and anger and malice and wrath, like those things that pop up regularly that no one likes to think is as important as addiction. Um, and at the end, there's this quote by a man named D.A. Carson. We have it up on the screen for you. Um, let's just read this. People do not drift towards holiness. Nobody in this room, when you leave this camp, is going to drift closer to God. You cannot get on the floaty thing and just be like, I'm just going to go to Jesus. You will drift away from Jesus, okay? Apart from grace-driven, unmerited favor-driven effort, people do not gravitate toward godliness, towards prayer, or obedience to Scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. We drift toward compromise, and we call it tolerance. We drift toward disobedience, and we call it freedom. We drift towards superstition, and we call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch towards prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism. We slide toward godlessness and convince ourselves that we have been liberated. 
This is our nature. Our nature will be continually to, to push against the Spirit until that time where Jesus is like right there and we're with him and it's going to be awesome. But here on this earth, we have this war waging within us. The flesh does not like what the Spirit likes. The Spirit does not like what the flesh likes. And there's a battle that wages within us and we're going to go back and forth on this, on this thing. Um, I'm going to start, I'll, yeah, I'll read verse 6. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. I'm focusing here on verse 7 through uh, 10. Do not be deceived, Crystal Springs. I'm not talking to the evangelical church. I'm not talking to the other churches in your community. I'm not talking about other camps. I'm not talking about, oh man, if my aunt could hear this, or my sister, or my brother. I'm talking to you talking to you. You, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. That which you sow is what you will reap. Um, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. If you are out there and you are going to plant a thistle, you are going to get thistle. And if you're out there trying to plant roses, you're going to get roses. You cannot expect to live an ungodly life and receive godliness or holiness. You can't push yourself into the pleasures of this world and expect to get godly pleasure. That's wicked. What you are going to invest in is what you're going to get back. Are you going to invest in sexual immorality, impurity, passions? Are you going to invest in idolatry? Are you going to invest in anger and jealousy and fits of rage? Are you going to invest in divisions and envy, drunkenness? Where's your investment going to go? Are you going to invest in loving people, even the people who don't vote the way your family votes in November? You're going to love them. Are you going to show them kindness? The people who wear a mask or don't wear a mask, are you going to love them? Are you going to be patient with them? The people who are paralyzed by fear because they don't have the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ in their life, are you going to be patient with them? Are you going to be kind with them? If someone steals your vehicle, yes, there's a legal process you can walk through, but are you just going to try to drive that person into a hole? Or are you going to do the process, which is good, in such a manner that they could ask you, like, what, what is the hope that you have within you? Why, are you? why are you being nice to me? I stole your car. This is weird. You're going to invest in that kind of kindness? Are you going to invest in that kind of love? Are you going to invest in that kind of patience? Are you going to invest in that kind of faithfulness? Are you going to invest in that kind of self-control? What, what is it going to be? If you're going to throw out thistle, you're going to get thistle. And last I checked, there's no market for thistle. Zilch. No one wants it. I warn you, Paul warns you, as I warned you before, 
God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the fresh flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. There's this picture, right? A lot of you, God willing, have really dealt with Jesus this week. But some of you have had spiritual experiences that will send you up. And I would guess in about three weeks, you're going to be like, ah, whatever. I tried, read my Bible twice. It's hard. I don't get it. I'm out. Okay? It's going to be a sign that you had a spiritual experience, not a born-again moment with Jesus. So when he talks about, like, you will strive till the end, it isn't that you lost your salvation. It's that you never had your salvation. Okay? But for those of us who are in Christ, all of us who claim this thing, let us not grow tired of doing good. And we're going to be tired. You know, at some point, the government is going to clamp down on us. We might even face persecution. And no, I don't think COVID is persecution. Two months at home watching cable and YouTube? Oh my gosh, it's so hard. It's not persecution. People might die. People could be physically harassed. You know, and I'm not, I don't even know if we're there yet. I'm not trying to go that way. My point is this, even in that, don't cease to do good. Do not cease to do good to people. There are people in your schools that have a different worldview than you who commit sin and don't care. Sinners do that. Sinners sin. They don't understand that there's a holy God out there. So why do we expect so much of them? Why do we expect morality? Why do we expect them to honor traditional marriage? Why? Why do we expect people who don't understand that there's a holy God out there to do things like we would do them? Lower your expectations. Give them a break. Perhaps in lowering your expectations for them, you'll be able to share the gospel with them and they'll understand the holiness of God and they'll understand the importance of biblical marriage, biblical manhood, biblical womanhood. Let us not cease, grow weary of doing good. Will we ever get rewarded here on the earth? I don't know. But what's coming is better. It's awesome. We will be with Jesus. We will spend an eternity. There will be no persecution. There will be none of these things. It's coming. Hold fast. Unless Jesus is a liar. And he made a lot of extreme promises here. Don't grow weary, you guys. You may not be rewarded in this life. But there is a reward coming. He's going to come for us. Or he's going to take us to him. Jesus is going to win. We know the end already. Don't grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap if you do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Everyone. Okay? This isn't just grandma, the neighbor. She's kind of nice, and she gives me five bucks. And that person who seems nice, that person who seems, they kind of look like me, so I'll be nice to them. They don't look as scary, blah, 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 blah. Let us do good to everyone. Everyone. Okay? And then it says, especially the household of faith. There's this picture of this group of people who are striving after Jesus. They're our priority. You're striving after Jesus. I'm striving after Jesus. I'll dig into the trenches with you. I will give you money. I will give you time. I will shingle your house. 
let's go. I will do good for you, right? This beautiful picture in Acts. The church was so crazy about each other. They're selling property and giving it um, so that people can get out of debt and people can um, survive, especially during the famine. And there's this picture. I will sacrifice for the church, not for all of humanity necessarily, but my priority is this church. And people on the outside were like, who are these people? Who gives of themselves like that for another person? And it's, it's the people that live for Jesus. It's the people that are united in Christ that will sacrifice everything because Jesus has given everything and they will sacrifice everything for one another. And the world doesn't grasp that. The world doesn't grasp that. So let's read this one more time and let's end here. It says this, verse 7, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap. If we do not give up, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those of the household of faith. Here's the reality. You are going to go home. You're going to have the opportunity to tell your story to a handful of people. What I've always found about camp experiences and mission experiences, everybody asks you about it and like two people actually want to hear about it, okay? So people aren't going to want to hear about what you got here because they haven't experienced it. Okay? And then your mom and dad, they've been busy all week. Life has been hitting them, bills, stuff, watching the news is depressing. All this stuff has been going there and you've been kind of separated. You know, we've had your cell phones for a week. And it's going to be hard. And some of you are going to start reading the scriptures for the first time. And whenever you start a new habit for the first time, the first couple of weeks is a bear. It's going to be difficult, but set your mind on it. Pray and ask the Lord, move through me. Fill me with a hunger for your word. And then at some point, you're going to come to a tough text, and you're like, I don't know if I like what that says, and you're going to wrestle with your flesh to submit to the word. And I challenge you to be a part of a local body of Jesus Christ. Submit yourselves to other people who can tell you things you don't want to hear. And who can also tell you stuff you do want to hear. Christ is on his throne. Do not lose heart. Jesus is on his throne. Jesus has not fallen. Jesus loves you. He called you before the foundation of the earth. He's given you all your strengths. He's given you all your weaknesses. He's, he's going to work through this for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Don't lose heart. Be in that community that speaks the truth to one another. Not just fake accolades. Not celebrating your weaknesses and your sin, but challenging your weaknesses and sins, pushing you closer to Jesus. Submit to that. Be a part of that. Be in prayer. You can talk to your creator. Continually confessing and repenting of sin. You will make mistakes. Confess, repent, be free. It can't take your faith and striving for another day. Don't lose heart. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Who knows what's going to happen next week. But God is on the throne. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And he's always working in you to draw you closer to him. Submit to the Spirit and follow him. Let's pray. 
Father God, you are great. I'm grateful, God, that no sin will separate us from you as believers in Jesus Christ. God, I pray for these students, Lord, and I'm excited uh, from the testimonies I even heard last night that were God-centered, God, and I pray for the students, God, who have who are still curious and have questions, God. I pray that you would fill them with a desire to know you, Lord. Fill them with a desire to read your word, God. As we struggle to read and as we struggle to create habit and as we struggle with people who have been just in a different world this last week, God, I pray that you would just remind us of your grace and kindness and supremacy to us, Lord, and drive us, God. Drive us to follow you by the grace you have shown to us. God, fill us with love and kindness and gentleness and respect as your spirit grows in us. God, and protect these students. God, protect them from the evil one. God, who will undoubtedly aim his cannon at their head. God, and I pray that we would just, we'd wrestle, that we'd be raw. God, we, we know we will sin, God, but we, we know we can give it to you. Help us deal in reality. Help us speak. God, for these churches and communities that these kids represent, God, I pray that they would fit in, that they would dive into community, God, that they would submit to the eldership of the church, God, that they would beg and plead for accountability and discipleship, Bible-based, gospel-centered, Jesus-loving discipleship, God. And I pray that these students would have an impact in North Dakota and South Dakota, God, and in this nation not based off of politics, not based off of passions, but based off of the gospel of Jesus Christ, King Jesus, who will never be outvoted, who will never be removed, who will never fall sick, who will never die. God, you are good. Drive this home. Thanks, God, for this opportunity and your faithfulness and kindness to me. God, you are great. Get all the glory. In Jesus' name.